Hey, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We're so thankful that you're interested in our church. You can check us out at eaglechurchofchrist.com or on Facebook. You can find us there as well. Today, uh, we talk about what I have called the greatest story ever told. This is our Christmas sermon uh, from this year, and I really hope that just a focus this time of the year on Jesus' birth really brings some encouragement to you. Again, thanks for listening. Come see us sometime. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs. That was... uh, we sang that pretty fast at, at my church growing up, but it was a new song to us. And so uh, I don't know if you grew up in churches where new songs were a rarity, uh, but that's that's where I grew up. And so uh, when we learned that one, we, we didn't save it for Christmas. We just sang it all year because it was actually fast paced. I was actually kind of concerned when uh, when Katie and I started dating. Uh, she grew up in a church, uh, a Baptist church with a full band and everything and pretty lively. And my church was known for the kind of low and slow. <laughs> and so uh, I was lucky to uh, retain her after the first service there. Uh, it was it was funny, though, because um, it really, somebody gave me a, a CD one time that they knew I would love. And as soon as I put it in, Katie said, this is funeral music right here. And I thought, oh, this is not good. We need to pep it up a little bit. But uh, that was that was one of my favorites. But again, I, I wish you a, a Merry Christmas. Hope you hope you had a wonderful day. Uh, I was thinking about I was thinking about Christmas throughout the year. Do you say Merry anything else? Like that is not a part of my vocabulary. Other than even that, I've seen some head shaking. I, that's kind of odd to me. You know, usually our, our English and you know it changes the way we say things. But I guess because of the songs and everything else that we just retain Merry Christmas. And so this morning, what I what I really want to do is to talk about the reason for the season. And so we began this morning with Luke's account of what happened in the birth of Christ. I'm going to read um, several verses. I think we're going to read 40 verses here together. Uh, But I think it's a special thing when the church comes together and hears from the word of God. From Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he had belonged to the house and line of David. Let me get back here. He went, to, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, been, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping uh, with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. I don't know why, oh, come all you faithful just popped up there. We must have gotten something out of order. That's okay. I'll let you fix that. It should be just that title screen after this. Luke tells us in his gospel, if you go read the beginning of Luke, Luke tells you that many people have put together this kind of uh, order of events. And so Luke tells you, I am investigating and have investigated everything from the very beginning. Luke may be my favorite because of this. He wants to investigate. He wants to get all the details correct. And so you'll find details in Luke that you don't find anywhere else. You find, uh, if you were here uh, Wednesday about a week and a half ago, uh, we read even from Mary's song, the Magnificat that we sing. Nobody else has that except Luke. And you wonder, did Luke go talk to Mary and hear those very words, to hear her pour out her soul about what was going on in those moments? And so through Luke, you, you get all of these details, you understand the story, and kind of you almost feel like you were there, like he is definitely hearing from those people. And that comes through. And what I think comes through and what we just read, those first 40 verses of Luke 2, 
this morning is a feeling of hope. That you begin with the shepherds who are told about Jesus and saying, here's a sign, go see him. And they do. And they go tell everyone what the Lord has done. Then you come to Simeon, who is an old man, and he's prophesying, and he's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And God puts him there at the right time, and he holds Jesus, and he knows in that moment. He says, Lord, you can now release your servant. You can let me go. I have lived long enough to see your Messiah. And then you have the, the, the prophet Anna as well. Living her life, it says she only really lived with her husband for seven years and then had remained a widow, had stayed around the temple until she was 84 years old. Can you imagine what it was like to live in the shoes of those people? Both anticipating the Lord's Messiah, hoping, wishing for the day that they got to see what God was going to do in their country. And then the day they get to see that, they see not some conqueror, but they hold a little baby, seven, eight days old. And they praise God for that, knowing that uh, they are going to see some wonderful things, that Israel now is going to experience deliverance. And so our last uh, series that we talked about was faith, hope, and love. And I think that's what you see play out in the birth story here. You have our, our faith in this, that that God is working through this episode that he sends Jesus to die for us, to, to be born and to live his life and to eventually die for us. The hope that comes from all of this, both to experience that from what has happened and what is to come and the love that God poured out on us through this whole thing. But did you catch what Simeon said to Mary? which had to, had to make her, you know, it says they pondered everything in their hearts. You know, they, uh, they were taking all of this in. It seems though she had been told, you know, by the, uh, by the angel that these things were going to happen, you wonder what, what all she knew. We sing a song about that. Mary, did you know? And then if you look online, there are a lot of responses to that as well. No, she didn't, or yes, she did. But did you know all of these things were going to happen? But when Simeon sees the baby, he says, this, is going to, this baby is going to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. So though it was a very hopeful thing that Jesus was now here, that the Messiah, the one in the line of David who has been prophesied that all the, uh, the Jews were looking forward to is now here, it's not going to be all roses and Good times, is it? Simeon says this is going to cause the rising and falling so that hearts may be revealed through this. And then he looks at Mary and says a, a sword will be pierced through your soul as well. Very ominous thing now that we know the story, right? Can you imagine what Mary was thinking in that moment? But we understand kind of what that means now. But when Simeon talked about this, when he said it's going to cause the rising and falling, it kind of, I don't know what that, that feeling is for you. For me, I'm, I'm kind of saddened because just like for them, they had the ability to either accept God's gift or reject it. Yes, we are waiting. We're anticipating. We're looking forward to the Messiah. Okay, here he is. I don't like him. 
go away. Actually, later when Jesus begins his ministry, right after he's baptized, he's led, it says, by the spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. He comes back, and one of the first things he does in, in Luke's account is he goes into the synagogue and reads from the prophet Isaiah. And he's talking about all these things that uh, the Messiah is going to do. He's going to uh, release these oppressed people and, and do all of these things. And he says, you know, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they marveled at him because he was a good speaker. And he had been, you know, he kind of been making a name for himself. He was kind of famous. So it was like everybody was kind of in a rush to see the famous guy speak. But then he says, oh, oh by the way, then he tells a story. He tells a story about Elijah. Remember when we covered Elijah staying with the widow of Zarephath? And he says, you know what? There were a lot of widows in Elijah's time, but he was sent to the one. And so the implications there are uh, some of you are going to get this and some are not. And God has given this to you. Whether you accept it or reject it is up to you. And so the birth of Jesus is a hope for all the nations. Did you catch it when Simeon was talking? He even mentions about this is going to be a a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, nobody was getting that then. Nobody understood that. It was, thank you, God, that that we are going to be saved. Now, the backstory is, as you probably know, that the Jewish people were under the oppression. They were under Roman rule in this time. And so imagine for us, if we're sitting here today in Canada, reigns over the United States. Like, man, I, I want the days where my, my grandparents used to talk about when we were free. We'd have another country in here telling us what to do. We'd have another country taking taxes, doing all this, telling us what we could and couldn't do. And so when they thought about this, they thought about, hey, this guy's going to come in and he is going to just take away the Roman Empire And it's going to be us again. He's he's here to save us. But what Jesus came for and what Simeon already knows is Jesus didn't just come to save you from the Romans. He came to save you and the Romans. He came to bless the Jewish people and the rest of the world as well. But it wouldn't be that easy, would it? Because you know the life of Jesus. You know, the life of Jesus, where everywhere Jesus went, everywhere Jesus taught, it was controversial. Because when Jesus came, Jesus had to to talk to religious people who already knew what they knew and knew they were right and knew you couldn't change their mind, right? And he taught, he said, well, you've heard it said, well, I say to you. And they had to wrestle with that. We're not very good at that sometimes, are we? It never uh, seems to, uh, well, it's kind of funny to me especially when we're trying to convince someone else to come to church with us. Maybe they go to another church and they already have a, a set of beliefs. And somebody says, I just don't know why they won't change their mind. And usually that's said by somebody who doesn't change their mind very much, right? Like they need to change their mind because I'm right, you know, but you can't convince me I'm wrong, right? I won't change my mind. But that's what Jesus did. He came again to cause the rising and the falling of people because you can accept or you can reject. Let's see how where we I don't know how messed up this is going to be. Uh Oh, can you put me on John 316, please? Thank you. Y'all stay for second service. We'll get this. We'll get this uh, relined up. Hopefully it's in there now. 
It should be in there, Chase. I don't know if it's. There you go. Thank you. John says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And we say amen, right? Very hopeful. He says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen, God, there's hope. But this is not the end, that, that you can have eternal life, that I can go live with him one day. And I don't want this to be a pie-in-the-sky thing. I think this ought to impact who you are right now. This is what John says. He loved the world so much he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is God's purpose. We talked about God dwelling with us, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yeah, you got tired of saying that every week, didn't you? But he also said his name's going to be Jesus, Matthew tells us, because Jesus means God saves. This is the purpose, that the world would be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Do you hear the choice there? That God gives you through his grace this free gift. He sets it on the table and says, you can take it. And for some, we take it. And it impacts our life. And we understand that we now live for God. For others, I don't like it. I don't like what Jesus is asking me to do. Uh, maybe for the Jewish people, I don't accept that he was the Messiah to begin with. And, and just so you know, my understanding of uh, the greatest argument Jews have against Jesus is Scripture talks about when the Messiah comes, there will be peace. And what they will say is, look around. Do you see peace right now? And of course we have to say, no, right? The question is, what does peace mean when, when Jesus comes? Is that an immediate peace in the world? Is that a, an eventual, at the end, God brings about peace? But this is what, what God says what, through John. If you would believe in him, uh, you, if you don't believe in God's one and only son, you're condemned already. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be, may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Some of us feel like if we come too closely, you will see me warts and all, right? I believe that's a, a big fear for a lot of people that I don't want to come to God right now because I need to fix me. And so what that means for us is that I'm out here in the world on my own struggling to fix myself. When God has given you the gift of his son saying, I will fix you. I will make you clean. Jesus never asked you to come clean to him. Notice in, when he talks about the prodigal son. The son comes back to the father, and the father doesn't give him 20 questions, does he? The father doesn't look at his son in his eyes and say, hey, have you cleaned up your act, and I will take you back. Does he? The father is there, open-armed, waiting for his son. 
And so I believe that the difference here in those two things is for some of us, instead of coming to the light, instead of just being afraid of what might be exposed, we are so attached to those things that would expose us, we don't want to let them go. Because I'm not willing yet. And so God's perfect gift that he sent to earth, not in, in some uh, kingly fashion, born in a manger from Nazareth, which means basically stick town. I think that's where I'm from. But he sends his son and we can either accept or reject God's one and only son. Uh, next one, Chase, um, from Romans. This was right on the computer. I checked it this morning, I promise. We'll blame, we'll blame Donald. He's not here this morning. He doesn't feel well, so it's it probably him messing with it. Uh, it should be Romans 5, I believe. <coughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Thank you. Paul says it this way in Romans 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have gained access by faith uh, into his grace, which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I believe we were going through eight. Five through eight, I believe. One through eight, okay. I don't know if this is not working or what. Mm -hmm. uh, Romans 5, 5 through 8. It says 1 through 8, but it's not going anywhere. Eric, can you hit next for me and see if that works? There you go. It says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Next slide, please. I don't know what's going on here. We've got a bug. We've been having audio troubles, and maybe it's moved over into other things. I'll tell you what, I'll just pull it up on my phone if it's not working. You got it? Thank you. You see, at just the right time, when we were still in total control, what does it say, church? At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will any, anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still perfect, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what we see in this story of, of Jesus' birth is God looking down on his people and loving us so much that he would, he would send his son to go through these horrible things for all of you. 
for all of us. And we can either, it, it boils down to this, we can either accept it or reject it. But if you accept it, don't accept it halfway. Accept what God has done for you through his son Jesus and become a Christian and follow him. Don't, don't sit on the fence and say, I want Jesus part of the time. I want Jesus on Sundays when it makes me feel good or maybe around Christmas when it all, you know, we're all kind of going the same direction. Let's follow him all the time. And can you imagine if all of us today said, we are going to agree to this. It, it's time to quit messing around. It's time to quit calling ourselves Christians and actually live that Christian life. What would that do to this church? And what would that do to our community? Because too often we are, we're either just okay doing nothing or just kind of existing, kind of floating along. Or we claim Christ and we don't even really walk that walk. When God has bared his soul to us, he has, he's given us his heart because of who he is and how he loves. And we sit there and look at his gift and walk away. Don't you dare make fun of the Jews for rejecting, re rejecting him if you've done the same. If they claim that, that he is not the Messiah and you're not living like he's the Messiah, you've done the exact same thing. But this time of year, I love it. Because it's felt like, well, in my neighborhood since the end of November, there's been lights up and all kinds of things. But at least there's a feeling that, that we're all thinking about for a month or so who Jesus is. And maybe for, for a lot of people that put up lights, it's just about Santa and presents. But I'd like to think not. I'd like to think that we really have those conversations about the reason for the season and the gift that God gave us. So this morning as a church, I want to challenge you to be the church. That if you're going to wear the name Christian, that you walk the walk Christ walked. <coughs> that you live the life that Christ has asked you to live. Humbling yourself, as Paul mentioned last week in, in Philippians 2, humbling yourself like Jesus did. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to earth and even he humbles himself. If anyone had a reason to walk around with his chest puffed out, it was him. And Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death and death on a cross. And by the way, if you, if you go read your Bible, it says, Cursed is the man who dies on the tree. And so for a lot of the, those people, when Jesus died and, and Christians were like, Hey, he is the risen Savior. They said, Have you read your Bible? He's been cursed on a tree. And we say, no, he died for our sins. Do you know that this morning, church? That while you were powerless, while you were yet a sinner, not that you'd gotten your life together, Jesus died for you. That's how much God loves you. So quit pursuing this idea that I need to, uh, I need to get everything together and then I'll come to Jesus. I need to make myself clean and then I'll come. And Jesus says, no. God says, no, you come and I'll make you clean. So if you haven't begun that walk this morning, I want to encourage you, to challenge you, to start that today. That you become clean, that you begin that walk with him. And now if you've drifted away from him, just know that God wants you back. Just like the story of the prodigal son, God is sitting here arms wide open, not asking 20 questions about where you've been and what you've done. 
He's just glad you're home. Would you make that decision this morning? We're going to sing a song of invitation. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to see you restored uh, to God right now this morning. Would you come as we stand and sing? Paul.